being here. If you're new with us today, we're so happy to have you, and we just invite you to worship God with us this morning. It's who I am. It's who I am. 
feel in this place today, Lord Jesus. We can feel you moving in this place today, God. Just ask, Lord Jesus, to come, move by your spirit, God, in this place. God, as we honor you today, move among your people and the praises of your people, God. God, touch every heart in here today as we seek your face, Lord. Holy Spirit, move right now. If you need a healing in this place today, just receive it right now. If you need a healing in your heart and your mind, if you have a financial situation that you don't know how you're going to deal with, you have a situation with your family that you don't know what's going to happen, just let it all go right now in the peace of God and the love of God. Knowing that the Father has you right in his arms. He holds you in the palm of his hands. Your life is so precious to him. He sent his son to come find you, bring you home to him. Just let that love overwhelm you right now, the love of God. Let the Spirit of God overwhelm you right now. Holy Spirit, fill this place today.
so in love with you there is no one else for me Jesus I am so in love with you there is no one else for me Oh Father I am so in love with you there is no one else for me Sing I lean I lean on my own understanding My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven I
know what that means. When you're climbing something with your hands wide open, that is full, complete surrender, full, complete trust in the one who holds you in his hands. Can we just take a moment today to lift our hands, complete surrender to our God and say, we trust you, God. I will climb this thing. I will do this thing, God, that I'm dealing with. I just give it all to you. I can't do it on my own, God, so I release it. I surrender it to you today, Lord Jesus. Come on, sing it out today. God, one more yes. praise this morning. Amen. Amen, God. We worship you. We're thankful. You guys can be seated this morning. Tell the person next to you good morning. Good morning, good morning. Make sure you say someone hi. Welcome to Hill City. Saw a little smooch back there. I like that. That was a really good morning. You guys can come. The ushers are getting ready. Oh, there we go. We got a music stand. Man, if it's your first time, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, not going to make you raise your hand, but uh, if it is your first time, we'd love to get to know you and uh, answer any questions you may have about Hill City Church. Um, man, who likes the time of year with spring? Yeah? You're like, yes. <laughs> I love the flowers, don't you? Love the allergies. Anybody allergies? Anybody like, God, I want winter back right now. <laughs> Good morning online as well. Ask you, do you guys like, uh, do you like spring? I love spring. I love seeing the death come to life. It's really not death, right, Mike? It's more like dormant to life. People say that tree's dead. I'm like, it's not dead. It's just dormant, right? The grass isn't dead, even though it looks dead. Um, but I went through some of my, some, <laughs> John's is dead. Someone come help him. He just, he's, he's cursed. And uh, I didn't say anything. I was at his house the other day. I'm like, I'm not going to say anything about your grass. So I didn't. Um, <laughs> um, it's still dormant at John's house, the grass. The, uh, but uh, I went through one of, my, one of my cringing moments yesterday every year is the moment I get to turn on my sprinkler system. And anybody with me? <laughs> So uh, all the guys are like, yes. So my wife is a really good gardener. She's got the green thumb. And uh, uh, it's a little Star Wars joke. How do you know Yoda is a good gardener? Because he has a green thumb. 
There, it's a slow one. It's a slow rise. It's a slow rise. But uh, so I, I uh, my wife has a lot of flowers, like in her backyard. There must be 60 plants, and it's a beautiful yard. People do come over. Hey, it's a nice yard. I don't do anything, um, but I am the source of life for her garden, if you know what I mean, um, in the sense of water, uh, because she doesn't work the sprinkler system. I get to I get to work that, and it's so. Yesterday, you know, you get to go and you get to turn on that valve, and every year it's like, what is going to be broken? Because I turn on this valve and it's like, whoop. Okay, there's no leaking there, right? Usually there's leaking right there. But uh, if, you're, if you guys know what I'm saying, there, it's, 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 it's a hard life, right? This is like really first world problems here. My sprinkler system doesn't work. I got to water my weeds. And, but then I have to go to the next step is like do the zones work. Which head is broken this year? Anybody with me? And then you got to dig it up. So I was like tinkering with this one valve. It wouldn't turn on. And I opened the valve a little bit in the box and I slipped and do you ever like try to fix something and then you break three things in the process? <laughs> it was just like, this is supposed to be a five minute job and I'm sitting there and I'm going, I, I, my hand slips and I hit this little release valve that was halfway open and lopped it right off, which meant the valve will not close now. Thank you, Jason, I know he's like with me. So now I, there's no source of water to my yard right now. So if anybody's good at sprinkler systems, this is my way of asking for help. No, I'll go figure it out, maybe, or not. Um, I'll hire a professional. But, um, but man, I was just, you know, there's, without, without this water, and I hate sprinkler systems, if you haven't heard. You guys can come forward. But, you know, just to tie this back to a little bit of, um, there's a verse in John about, about life and, and water. And who knows that water is important? Anybody know what water is important? I think it covers, like, you guys are a little close. Can you scoot back a little bit? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> i got to be able to see me. But uh, the without water, what's going to happen to my, my wife's beautiful plants? Okay, it needs soil. It needs, it needs nutrients. It needs sun. I get that. But it needs water, right? And without that, it's going to die quickly. Everybody's yard's looking pretty good right now, right? Without doing anything, your yard's, except for John's. Every, every, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everyone else is looking good. But there was a verse in John where there's a lady at the well, and, and back in the day, I won't go into the Old Testament, but I mean, the, the, in a lot of, um, in a lot of uh, these communities that, are, that don't have water, we have water piped to our house. Do you ever wake up every day and be like, man, I hope the, I hope the well has water in it this morning, you know? Um, unless you're having um, a, pr- a problem paying your water bill or something like that. We don't worry about this, do we? We worry about if I'm going to be able to water my weeds. But... Back in the day, there was this, this was life. If you look at any big city, Denver, uh, any city is, surround, is next to what? It's next to water, okay? Anywhere you go, all the big cities are right next to water, the ocean. I lived in Australia for a while. 95% of the, of the, 90% of the people live next to the coast because there's no water in the middle, right? We need water. And in John 4.14, I love this. He reads and he, and he says, he's talking to, uh, to the lady by the well, and he says, everyone who drinks of this water, referring to the literal well, will, thir- will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. I need an amen. And I love this last part. The water that I will give him will become him a spring of water. So it's not just like I'm giving you water that you'll never thirsty again. He's saying I'm literally going to give you water that becomes a spring. It becomes a, re, a, re, um, a rejuvenating, um, what's the word I'm looking for in our, um, with, uh, with like solar energy and wind power. What is it? Renewable. Thank you. Becomes renewable. Isn't that cool? That we, we get this renewable, that I don't get to worry about this broken water system every year. That this, I will, my wife's plants will thirst again. <laughs> they are thirsty now. But I love the message of Christ that he came and said, what I give you is eternal and I'm giving you a spring in your life that will never, you'll never thirst again. I love it. I love it. Can you guys just get that picture in your head this morning? And I'm just going to continue to pray for us and um, give, the, give the mic over to John so that he can uh, bring an awesome message this morning. So I'm going to pray. Pray with me as we continue in our giving. God, thank you for this morning. God, for the, the, the gospel, the message of Jesus, where you had a plan for us. That we were supposed to, that we, we thirst and we're humans and, and we need, we, we have needs, God. But you sent a son, you had a plan for us to go before us and show us the message of Jesus, God. That these, these things, these earthly things are good and beneficial. But God, we pray this morning that we would, we would drink from the well of eternal life this morning, God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.
Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to adjust this. Uh, talk to your neighbor. Tell them nice haircut. Right? Nice scarf or hat, glasses. Is that a new mustache? Yeah, that's right. Honestly speaking, every week I think I'm going to grow a mustache, and then I look at myself, and on Sundays I shave it every time. I'm like, yeah, my wife says this, thank God for Sundays. <laughs> thank God for Sundays, because uh, it's very Asian-y. I don't know how else to say it, right? But good morning, welcome guests. My name is John with the, without a mustache. Uh, we are having growth track today, so if, you're in, if you are new or newer to this church and want to get involved and want to know our, our vision, our mission, how we're going forward, it's a perfect place to start. It, it's starting today at 1 at, at the Mitchells. If you want more information, please go right outside uh, to the guest center there. And also just hey, learn to just invite people who need to be encouraged. We're going through a beautiful series who need community, who need the love of God. And, uh, because at the end of the day, you are Hill City. We're Hill City together. Hill City is not a building. It's, it's the people of God. It's the people uh, who uh, come together and represent, right? And so uh, more than ever, I believe that we need to represent God, and we need to represent one another and be with one another. And so, but ever since we started this church, we wanted to be a church outside our walls. We did. We, uh, we do. A church that's not just in our city, but for our city, and we believe that God has placed us here on purpose. You are not here by accident. Tell your neighbor that. You are not here by accident. Not here today. You are not here by accident. I know you might be tired from the Kentucky Derby or Cinco de Mayo, which all fell on the same day. It was a good day yesterday. Everyone wore big hats and ate good food. It was a good time, right? And, uh, and uh, Gabe had his, uh, his event yesterday. So a lot of people were out and about yesterday. I saw it on, on, the, on the Facebook, right? But uh, we want to be a church, a people, not just in our city, but we want to be a people for our city, right? That God has placed us here to do good. Say, do good. You and I, we are here not just to exist and sing songs about Jesus. We are here to do good for the common good. You might hear those kind of words put together. For the good of not just you, but for the common good of others around us. Yet if you and I would take a hard look, and I'm taking a hard look at ourselves, I would say we still have much work to do to close the gap of the vision that we have to the reality that we're living, right? I would say we, we have a lot of work to do. We, we, I love the closeness in our church. I love the realness. I love the fun that we have together. But I think we can do better in loving our community for the common good together and individually. Anyone with me? Anyone still believe that, right? We can do better, man. We can do better because God has called us to where we live. God has called us right here in Colorado into this space right here. And we're not just occupying space. We're not. Our lives are not occupying space. You at your job, you at your home, you're not occupying space. You're actually filling the space with, I pray that we fill the space with more laughter, with more love, with more hope, with more uh, just coming together, with more smiles, that we actually answer needs and prayers together, and we create beautiful spaces for our seniors, for our teens, for our families, for those far from God, for those who need one another to thrive and grow. I believe that is the actual picture of the church. It's not a people just coming together to hear someone. I love this song. I will climb this mountain with my arms wide open, with my hands wide open, right? And uh, we were making, uh, we were joking with Jen. We said, you should sing Creed right next, right after this song, right? But we, we were saying, you're climbing this mountain because you're trying to get to know God and one another. But you got to make the climb. You can't, you can't. There's, um, I heard a speaker named Francis Chan. He says, too many people know uh, don't know the God of the mountain. They know someone who's been up the mountain. Too many people. And, and you're wondering how in your, you're trying to gauge your spirituality or your understanding of God from just an individual who's been up the mountain. But we need to start walking up that mountain. And anyone who's ever walked up a mountain, it's hard, right? 
At the top of the mountain, it's hard to breathe. It's hard. It, like, I, I say the last like 500 feet feels really strenuous unless you're really in good shape. You're, you're like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. But all of a sudden, you get to the top, and you, you're like, oh. You just feel so good right at the top of a 14er. You're like, I'm so glad we did it. And Candace and I, we got to uh, climb Mount Sherman together, and it was just like this beautiful moment. In the middle of the climb, they were yelling at us, like, turn back. The storm is coming. Because we asked, like, at the bottom of the mountain, are we close? And they're like, no, you're not close. (laughs) Like, they were laughing. They were like, if you think you're close, turn back, right? And we're like, "Mm, mm mm-mm, we're hard-headed enough to continue right? Storm is coming. We're like, nah, we're still going up this mountain. And we made it to the top. And then we ran down as fast as we could because the storm was coming in. But it was, uh, it was just this beautiful moment that I got to share uh, on top of this mountain together. And I believe God has created beautiful moments for each of us that he has placed us in certain places in this city for not for us to wait for someone else to go up the mountain, but to, for us to individually, especially for the Christian, to experience God for themselves face to face this beautiful view of what he has for you so phil we are going to create beautiful spaces and listen my goal today is not to point a finger and say we're failing but rather i want to empower us to love our neighbors well to encourage you to get in on what god is already doing so we started this new series and it's called won't you be my neighbor right it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I don't know. This is old school. You're like anyone who's like, like 30 years old and below, they're like, what are you talking about? Won't you be my neighbor? They see this and they don't understand the beauty of Fred Rogers, right? right? The beauty of Fred Rogers. Did you know Fred Rogers always wore long sleeves because he was tatted up? I was like, yeah, Fred Rogers was cool before before uh, we were cool. Right? So uh, just, this, just, uh, just cool understanding. He was also a pastor. And he also, he, he was this beautiful human being who really believed that loving one another could change the world, right? That, and, and so I'm going to read you a verse from Luke chapter 10. All right? All right, please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read it to you. If you have your Bibles, uh, go there. If you don't have a Bible, please let me know. I'll purchase a Bible for you. I think it's that important for you to read the Word of God, to know what God is saying, not just what I'm saying, all right? Luke 10, 25 to 29. So on one occasion, an expert of the law, this really smart guy who knew all about the Bible, comes and stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, he asked. What a nice, nice way to start, even though he wasn't trying to be nice. What must I do to inherit eternal life? So this is a, he's saying, what must I do for salvation, for eternal life? And, and Jesus, of course, he's so witty, he goes, what is, what's written in the law, since you know all about the law, buddy, right? And he replied, how do you read it? Jesus replied to him. And he answered Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus answered like Yoda. He's like, you have answered correctly, right? I just, it's like this, this like, uh, Indiana Jones scene at the temple, at the Knights Templar, right? You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. And he says these words. I think these are really big, important words that we can miss. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. And he wanted to justify himself because he wasn't doing this. Obviously, he's justifying himself. Then, Jesus, who is my neighbor? I think that is a big question. We sometimes justify ourselves and we say, then who is my neighbor? And in this verse, and I'm going to get straight to you, according to Jesus, it seems that our eternal life is very connected to our now life, right? It's not this ticket to heaven like, all right, Jesus, forgive me of sins. I said the sinner's prayer. I'm coming to church. Here's your ticket, buddy. This is not Willy Wonka to the factory, right? It's something obviously very different because he's saying, how do I inherit eternal life? He doesn't say, ask for forgiveness, come to church, and I will give you a ticket. I will make sure that it's validated. He doesn't do that. He says, no, he says, he says, love your, he says, do this, love your Lord, your God, and love your neighbor as yourself, and you will live. Not just eternally, he's talking about. He's saying, right now, I want you to learn how to live. I want you to learn how to live. Have you ever asked yourself, is this life, is this it? 
you work, we work, we struggle, we have fun here and there on the weekends, and then we just continue to live life, right? And I want to tell you, this is not it. This is not the life that Jesus talks about when he's talking about the life more abundantly. It's not it. And, and, and maybe we need to learn something from this moment. How do we really live, Jesus? How do we really get a hold of life where there is joys, where I can hear from you, where I walk with you, where I really live this life like you meant for us to live it? Jesus did not come, and I'm going off script, and I apologize. We get caught up too long, maybe, in just the cross of Jesus. We focus on the cross. Sorry for my sins. Sorry for my sins. Sorry for my sins. And Jesus wants us to focus on the resurrection of God, live in the newness of life. There's a new way to live. There's a better way to live do you know in the early church they didn't talk about the cross much that was something that happened a little later they talked about the resurrection a lot they talked about a new way of living the disciples didn't follow Jesus because they were forgiven think about this for a moment Peter James and John didn't follow Jesus because he was forgiven Jesus didn't hit the cross yet Think about this. They followed Jesus because he lived in a way that was so different. And they said, I want to live like that. It was a newness of life. And when we come into this place, I don't want you to just say, I come in here because I'm forgiven of sin. And I, and I need to pay my penance by coming to church and listening to a boring Korean guy talk about a Jewish guy. All right? No, you come into this place because we want to equip ourselves with the word of God and really believe it. And then live in this newness of life. There's a better way to live. Be more human. Be human like Jesus. There's a better way to be human. Because sometimes we feel like robots, right? I do this, I do this, I do this. Robots. And Jesus is like, no, I want you to be human the way it was supposed to be. The way I made it in creation. I could go off in the theology that I shall not, right? I'm bring, coming right back to here. Salvation should lead us to loving God passionately and to loving others well. That's the outcome of our salvation. We are, we're not just saved to do that, like do these things and you'll be, no, it's the outcome of walking with God and walking, slowly walking up that mountain. It's not easy. And daily we're walking with God. And then our hearts start to turn to love God deeply more than we've ever loved anything else before and to love people deeply because we understand they are made in the image of God. I think we get it backwards. If I love God and love people, then I equal salvation. No. With salvation, understanding the forgiveness of our sins, that God loves us so much, then we start to desire after him. Then he starts to change our hearts to love him deeply and to love others well. And if that's not in us, maybe there needs to be a change of pace in how we walk with God. You with me? You still with me? You still with me? I think that's a beautiful understanding. We'll talk about it. Because loving, it, it's, it's, and I want you to hear more than theological understanding. I want you to understand just like how to love God, how to love God. And I'm not minimizing singing in worship and theological understanding and memorizing scripture and coming to church. I'm not. I just don't want us to miss this relationship with Jesus, with things to do for Jesus and not having relationship with him. I don't want to minimize that. There's a maturity of salvation. So about two months ago, I was at a pastor's meetup, and, and pastor's meetups are usually not awesome, all right? Just, uh, just give you a heads up. If uh, any pastor is listening, it's awesome. I, uh, I apologize. You are awesome, right? But two months ago, I got to go to a pastor's meetup. We were drinking coffee together because that's what pastors do. They drink coffee together and talk about their church, and then they cry, all right? But th there was this man. His name is Dave Runyon. He was there. He wrote this book. It was called The Art of Neighboring, and he began to talk. He was our guest speaker at this pastor's meetup, and there was like 15 of us in a circle, and we were talking to David Runyon, and he told us about this fateful moment moments that happened to him that changed his life and pushed him to write this book and really just kind of started to change the way he viewed his life, right? And, and, and he was at a meeting, much like this pastor's meeting that he was attending, and the mayor of Arvada was there, and, and, and they said, the pastors got together because they want to do good in the community, and they said, what if all our churches did good in the community? So they asked the mayor, if you could just wave this magic wand, da-da-da-da, right, and, and, you, and, you, and you could just make a wish, and the wish would come true, what would it be? 
So the mayor of Arvada, he was already loaded with his list. He would say, I wish, he said, I wish that there was no isolation of elderly, that there would be no shut-ins for them, that at, uh, there would be no at-risk kids, that struggling single moms living on their poverty line, there was none of that. And on and on he spoke, and the list went on. And when he finished the list, just in passing, he just finished like this. You know what? He said, the biggest way to impact Arvada, I think, I think the biggest way you can do this is just, like, figure out a way to start a neighboring movement. A neighboring movement. It's, it was interesting. The mayor said this. He said, people who have close bonds with their neighbors live longer. The, if you know the name of your neighbor and you know who, who they are, crime rate goes down. And when natural disaster strikes, he was saying, that you are the first responders. And the pastors in the meetings, all their jaws dropped hearing the mayor of Arvada said, you know what you should do? You should love your neighbor. Because all their life, they heard this from Jesus. All their life. And they're like, what programs can we put together? You know, they, we go, this is how pastors think, right? And he's like, just love your neighbors. Jesus already told us. He slapped us in the face. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second most important thing that you could do. That's the second most spiritual thing that I'm asking of you. And if you grew up in church or not, you know the golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. We know this. But why is this so hard to do? Why is this not happening? Selfish, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. I think there's many reasons. I think one reason is that we understand this command metaphorically and philosophically. Like, I'm going I'm to, yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love my neighbor. I'm going to treat people good. I'm going to take care of them. I understand that God helped me love everyone every day, right? We pray these prayers. But what if Jesus was not speaking philosophically or metaphorically, but literally? He was like, love your neighbors in your neighborhood, the person next door to you. Don't look for people to love. Love where you live. Don't look for people to love. Love where you live, right? Start there. Look at them eye to eye and smile. Even if you don't like smiling, you're like, eh, right? Smile. Talk to them. Be a regular in their lives. Before you can be the light of the world, Jesus says, be the light on your block, bro. That's how he speaks to me, right? I put you there for a reason. And because there are people right on your block who are lonely, isolated, hurting, far from God, far from people who need you. They don't need Joel Olstein. They don't need John O. on Sundays at Hill City. They need you on Mondays. They need you on Tuesdays. I put you here to run into them, to bump into people on purpose. Even today, you're here to bump into people on purpose purpose then love them as you would love yourself ask yourself self how would you like to be loved today how would you like to be connected with today ask yourself that and then do that for your neighbor and and and, and yes 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 the verse does say everyone is your neighbor yeah isn't isn't the the lady at starbucks my neighbor and and the, and the, and the girl at the gym and the people at work yes and, and 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 if we play like verbal gymnastics and we get real theoretical and philosophical we can really feel like i'm neighboring all this all the time john what are you talking about i'm just a good neighbor I'm, i got this down but i need you to start from loving your real neighbors because Aiming to love everyone, oftentimes we love no one. Aiming to love everyone, oftentimes we love no one. So I got two easy steps. Say two steps. I got two steps of learning to love your actual literal neighbors who live next to you with messed up grass like me, even though you have perfect grass. I blame, I blame Candace. I, Candace is shaking her head. <laughs> Don't shake your head. It, it's the mold. It's the mold. It's, it's, it's the soil pH balance levels. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. That's what it is, right? Right? Number one. Here's point number one. Own your hood. Own your hood. I, I put that up. It's from the office. But own your hood. The prox think proximity of your house. 
Think if you, from your house to your apartment, think of the proximity of the people around you. You live in a neighborhood, own your hood, think boys from the hood, rep your hood, love your hood, right? Have Robin Hood mentality. Instead of stealing from the rich, steal from yourself time, food, care, and give it to those who need it. Give it. Be the mayor of your hood. I used to hang. I, I, I used to hang. I hang around Mike Bielman, and I, I was with him at the mall. And, and he he owns a, a jewelry store. So if you need jewelry, Mike Bielman's man, right? Just putting a little commercial in there. But I used to walk with him around Flatirons Mall, and people would say, "That's the mayor of the mall. <laughs> That's the mayor of the mall. He knows everyone, right?" Oh, yeah. Oh, here comes the mayor. I was, we were in Tijuana, and I was, I, was, uh, I was getting my little tea. I was like, yeah, can you make that a little more frothy, right? And they're like, oh, there's Mike Bielman, mayor of the mall. And you might be like, oh, man, that's funny. No, but I think it's beautiful because he connects with people. He connects people together. He throws parties, throws dinners, right? And you, when you're the mayor of the mall or the mayor of your neighborhood, you learn to celebrate everything. If little Timmy, man, you hit a home run, you celebrate it. You send a card, you're like, good job, Timmy. Learn to be the mayor of your neighborhood, right? And then use your status, your power, your connections, and your giftings for the good, for the common good, for their good, for their benefit. If you're good with cars, help someone buy a car. Man, next time, I'm not going to buy a car because I buy bad cars. That's, that's what I do. I buy bad cars, right? I, and, uh, and help someone fix brakes, right? I can fix brakes, y'all. That's At least I can do that, right? But if you have an awesome lawn, help a brother out, right? Some of us can't. We just can't. This is year number five I'm trying on this. And every year, my lawn dies. That's why I blame someone else. At some point, I have to blame someone else. But Candace blames me, right? If you know, if you have open opportunities. If you're at your job, you know this beautiful position is open and you know that your neighbor is struggling in their position. Connect them to a beautiful job. Be a connector from a job to an education to whatever it is to make their life better. Make it better. Don't say, oh, if I, if I, if they take this job, then I can't. No, make life better for one. I'm telling you, it is blessed, way more blessed to give than to receive. And it, the longer you live, the more you'll understand or the more rotten you'll be. Man, like John was saying, when we were so self-focused, things begin to rot in us. And then we're like, what's wrong with everything? What's wrong? I think everything's wrong in this world. Actually, it's just you. Because we are starting to rot from the inside out. And then we begin to think it's everything else. When everything is wrong, right, when the house is wrong, when the job is wrong, when traffic's wrong, when you don't like flowers anymore, when the sunset is too bright, there's not something wrong with everything. There's something wrong with you. And there needs to be a work done on the inside. There really has to. Love your neighbor as you want to be loved. Number one, own your hood. Number two, learn names. Hey, if you got, someone can help me pass this out to family groups. If you're one family, can you help pass this out? Yeah, I have these nice little magnets. Here we go. Pass these out. In fam, not everyone gets one, but everyone, every family, every household gets one. That's right. And on it, it says this. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? You are here. It has a picture of your house here. I have this on my fridge, and people ask me constantly, what is that? I say, it's the names of my neighbors. It's the names of my neighbors, right? Every household gets one, right? Yeah, if you want, if, if that's, that's the goal, right? This is called the block map. Now try to fill this out with real names, not with like the dude with the orange hair, the dude with too many chihuahuas. No. Actually, name the names of the person next to you, around you. Name the people. How many people can you name on your block? Think about that. Name, if there's two people, two adults, name both adults. If they have kids, name the kids. How many home groups can you name? This is rough, right? 
How many home groups can you name? Think about this for a moment. Can you name your neighbors? How many home groups? Take just a moment. Think about it. How many home groups? And I'm going to ask you in a moment. Yeah, try to name them. You're like, oh, man, that guy with the giant sideburns, right, who listens to classic rock <laughs> loudly. Yeah, I think his name is Juanito. I don't know. Who, how many neighbors? I'm going to ask you, how many can name one home group? All the names, one home group. Two home groups. Three home groups. Four home groups. Man, some of you guys are good. Five home groups. Right? Oh, a lot fewer now. Six home groups. Right? And there's only eight. Seven? You can name everyone in seven houses? You guys are magnificent. Eight home groups. That's the finish. You guys are like teacher's pets. Amazing. Some of you guys are built that way. Most people can name two home groups. Even if you've lived there for 10 years, you can, live, you can name, uh, that's like Stan and his, uh, his wife or his, I don't know her name. Yeah. We've talked. We said, hey, what's up? Hi. Right? And, and, and just being honest, uh, like I did this at the, at the meeting table when I was given this, and I was like, I'm horrible. I've lived here for six years. And I'm like, what's up, dude? I see you. We see, you, we see each other at the mailbox right? I failed miserably, so I'm preaching to myself, right? Because I am good philosophically neighboring without literally neighboring. neighboring. Even this week, I was, uh, I was thinking, I was talking to my neighbor, and I forgot his name. It was the son's name, and I had to ask that his name, right? And so it, I had to have this awkward conversation. I know, we, I know I've been at your house, and we know each other for six years, but what's your name again? Pretty lame. Pretty lame right? But listen, when you purposely work to know the names of your neighbors, you start to purposely want to be a better neighbor. And now you're a far better neighbor than you were a year ago. And then if you build on this momentum and you write down their names on this, it just might be a catalyst for you to love your neighbors because you know the names of your neighbors and it's on your fridge and they're like, all right, Fred, Natalie, or, your, or whoever your neighbors is, and then you start to pray for your neighbors. Then you start to invite these neighbors over. It just might be something you need to love your neighbors as yourself just by knowing a name, having an odd conversation, and have the odd conversation. I forgot your name, man. That's right. I was at, I was at your, your, uh, your party, and I didn't know your name. I ate your food. I'm sorry. Right? You might have to have that conversation, but it better that conversation than never knowing who they are. I'm telling you, what is their name? And when you purposely work for this, you purposely begin to create a better neighborhood. Because when you call them by their name, they're like, I better call you by your name. There's some pressure, some good positive movement pressure. Now take this roadmap, put it on your fridge, update it as it changes, Pray for them. Pray for them and invite these neighbors to your house. And it might start from the odd conversation that I told you, right? But Jim Rohn said, success is nothing more than a few simple disciplines practiced every day. A few simple things that you, that you do every day. Learn names. Jesus finds this most important, the second most spiritual thing you could do to love your neighbor as yourself. And as we were closing up, I remember in high school, we read this book, and it was called The Invisible Man. Uh, and it's by Ralph Ellison. And it was written in 1947. Anyone had to read that in high school? Just me? Some of you guys? Yeah, The Invisible Man. And it was, it was an African-American writer in the 40s who writes about how it feels not to be known and not to be really seen. And this is how he begins his novel. I'm going to read it to you. And this man, it gets me. He says, I am an invisible man. And you can tell he's writing from pain. No, I am not a spook like those who haunt Edgar Allan Poe. Nor am I one of your Hollywood movie ectoplasm. 
I am a man of substance, of flesh and bone, of fibers and liquids. I might even be said to possess a mind. I am invisible, understand, simply because people refuse to see me. Like the bodiless heads you might see sometimes in a circus sideshow, it is as though I have been surrounded by mirrors of hard, distorted glass. When they approach me, they see only my surroundings themselves or figments of their imagination. Indeed, everything and anything except me. Nor is my invisibility exactly a matter of a bio biochemist chemical accident to my epidermis. That invisibility to which I refer occurs because of a peculiar disposition of the eyes of those with whom I have in con come in contact. A matter of the construction of their inner eyes, those eyes with which they look through their physical eyes upon reality. The writer is speaking of the realities of being isolated. He's speaking of the realities of loneliness and suffering that comes from in being invisible to others. I remember a quote by Mother Teresa when, he, when she came to America for the first time. She said, there is more poverty here than I've ever seen. The first time she came to the United States. It's a pretty crazy thing to say when she worked in the streets of Calcutta her entire life with lepers. But she saw the emptiness of people's eyes and the lack of connection with one another. She said, there is more poverty here than there is poverty where I come from. And I wonder how many people in this room may feel like they're living in a world where if it's full of people, they're surrounded by people. You're in a crowded room, but you feel like you're all by yourself. Living in a world where people don't know your name or you don't know theirs, or they don't allow you to know theirs, where they just look right through you. To those people today who feel alone, and let me tell you, I know what it feels to feel alone, to not be known. That's why one of the core values at our church is authentic community. We believe you need to know people deeply and to be known deeply. We believe that is the way God has made us. And if we keep people at bay or when people keep us afar, there is something in us that is not fulfilled. Even though we have everything else, there is a connection of being known and being heard and being seen. Just like I told you last week about Zacchaeus, when Jesus came up to Zacchaeus and said, I see you. I believe God today for those who feel alone is saying, I see you. I see you. He says in his word in the book of John, I am the good shepherd. And in the book of Isaiah, I know my sheep. I see what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. I see you. I see you. As my voice reverberates in this room, I want you to hear the voice of Jesus speaking to you with our heads bowed. God is saying to those who are feeling all alone or broken or hurting alone, and he's saying to you, I see you. I see your pain. I see the things in your mind that you're struggling with. I see you. And in our mind's eye, I pray that we look to the cross today because the cross means that he came to us to where we live, trading heaven for earth, trading his life for our life, knocking on our door to the cost of him to be our neighbor. It costs Jesus to love us, to know us, to seek us, to save us. He loves you. He sees you. And for the rest of us who might, have connection and deep connection. I want to tell you, I know neighboring is could be weird and neighboring is going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Real love is never convenient. Real faith is never convenient, but it's steady when you feel it or not. And let me be bold enough to say, you cannot have convenience and have Jesus. 
You cannot have convenience and follow Jesus. It's going to cost you. He told you from the beginning. Your time, your focus, your patience, your care, your comfort. You say, all those things, I would rather line it up with you, Jesus, and live this life that you lived because it was totally different. But in the light of Jesus, his love for you, his cross, his life prepared for those who would chase after him. Let us love our neighbors as ourself, the way you treat ourself, yourself. Love yourself, care for yourself, care for your neighbors that way. Own your hood, be the mayor, and learn their name. Let's stand. I see you. And it might start with awkward conversations today. As you put this on your fridge, please put this on your fridge, and you start to fill it in, not with Sharpie, so you have to throw it away. You start to fill it in, and you say, nope, I don't know that name. That's the guy with three chihuahuas. And you got to talk to him, right? And as we do that, I believe this is powerful, just knowing their name and starting to be the mayor of your hood. I see you. I say, I lived next to you seven years. Can I get your name again? You told me 10 times, maybe 11, right? You can blame it on the memory issue, right? Can we do dinner this Friday? I will bring over vegan steaks, right? Let me help move those boxes into your house. Do you want to watch the Broncos at my house? We'll watch the Broncos lose to the Niners, whatever you want to say, right? But let us embrace the inconvenience for the good of others and the calling of God. You don't need to do everything. Just do something. I see you. And then try to do it regularly. Put it in your schedule. If you don't schedule it, it's not real. We're like, I'm going to do good. If you don't put it in your schedule, it's not for real. It's like saying, it's like me saying, let's, let's have lunch together. And I do this and I apologize. I'm just calling myself out. And then I don't put it in my schedule. Guess what? We're not having lunch together. Just because life is so rapid. It's so quick. Let's put in our schedules. You might be thinking, I've done this before, John. You're trying to fool me, right? It got messy. And the guy with three chihuahuas kept on knocking on my door and wanted to hang out and uh, play Fortnite with me. It's a one-player one game, right? But I've, you might say, I've done this before. How can God use me? But don't let your pain or your past keep you from people who desperately need you. Flip your story for God's glory. They are broken just like you. They are messy just like you. Many times it's our weaknesses and our messiness that connects us, not our strengths and our talents. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I, that's the homework. Put this on your fridge. Fill it out. It's simple. Get to know. Own your hood. Learn a name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we're praying today, Lord, as we close up this get-together, as we listen to your word, literally, not philosophically, metaphorically, but tangibly and practically, pragmatically, Lord God, and we say, God, I'm going to put this on my fridge and lead me to bump into my neighbors because I am the city on a hill, Lord God, and I want to know and love you, and I, the only way I can know and love you is by just walking with you and being obedient, God. If you're in this room and you feel lonely and you just need the love of God to flood your heart, and I know that he does this, if you just, man, you need healing in your heart and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life today and saying, I've done it my way, I need to follow Jesus. If that's you, you need not only the forgiveness of sin, but to walk in the newness of life. If that's you, just raise your hands. I'm going to pray for you. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, for every hand that was raised, I pray for the newness of life. I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill this room and to fill their hearts with this foundness to be known by you, that God speaks to you, Lord God. Heal, Lord God, and let us move past just forgiveness into the fullness of salvation, the maturation of salvation, Lord God. And for the rest of us, Lord God, and for the all of us, we are called to obedience to Christ 
Lord God, we don't love you deep because we choose to. We love you deep because we choose to live day by day following you. I pray that be our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for coming. There's food outside that goes to Despo. Give to that and let man help someone get to Despo, which is a youth conference. God bless you. If you need prayer, I'm right up here. I'll pray for you. If you need to get connected, get into a life group, go to Growth Track. There's a lot of things going on. God bless you guys.